the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In the very place where Lucifer attacked God's law, God will hand Jesus the kingdom forever. And the Bible calls this the marriage of the Lamb. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be here in just a moment with today's message. You know, here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is here now to take your prayer request. And thank you so much for listening. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled The Marriage of the Lamb. That's The Marriage of the Lamb. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. And remember that it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com at any time. If you'd like to download a copy of it, we'll bring you the first portion today. But due to our time constraints, we'll complete this the next time we're together. Let's get underway. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with The Marriage of the Lamb, Part 1. Father, as we seek Jesus, we ask to be such that we are found as committed people in his plan and not uncommitted. May there be no lack of involvement of any member. May there be a 100% involvement, entrepreneurial visioning for the work of God in our generation in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last year, a Japanese man named Ashiko Kondo made his mother angry by marrying a hologram named Miku. Did you follow that in the news last year? He married a hologram. He was 35 years old, and she was only 16 years old. She is glowing blue inside a hologram cylinder generated by a computer program, man and wife. Of course, the couple's marriage has no legal standing, but it works for Ashiko just fine, so he claims. His marriage certificate was issued by the Gatebox company that sold the hologram to him. And so it's not worth much, but it's worth something to him because he's in love with his bride, the hologram. Ashiko and Miko are trying to redefine marriage in Japan. They hope that this trend will take over the world and we'll have a new kind of marriage relationship out there. Now, I'm being serious. This has actually happened. The certificate says it is a marriage beyond dimensions. You like that? You guys are looking at me like I'm the problem. I'm just telling you what's in the news, okay? Lighten up, right? This is true. At the time of the wedding, the Gatebox company has boasted of issuing 3,700 such marriage certificates for the new cross-dimensional marriages of the future. Now, the most expensive part of this marriage is the computer that keeps the bride alive. It keeps the hologram going. If you don't have the computer, you don't have your bride Ashiko's wife floats across the screen, talks back, and she can even wake her husband up in the morning. Perfect wife, right? No. Now think about it. As artificial intelligence increases, and it is, in fact, we're coming to a point, they say, when we will reach the vital point when artificial intelligence overtakes human intelligence. It is perceived to be the greatest threat facing the future of the human race. 
Because artificial intelligence can not only take over the world, artificial intelligence could extinguish life on earth for their own kind of existence. So as artificial intelligence increases, one day experts say men and women will marry robots and the human family will be redefined by this amazing technology. And I don't know about you, I will not attend a wedding like that. I am utterly not interested in that kind of growth and development. Friend, in the Bible, we worship a God who loves his people dearly. And it is his earnest desire to marry his people for all eternity. Elijah fought that evil Queen Jezebel because she brought the worship of Baal into Israel. Now, the word for Baal in the Hebrew language means husband. So they worship the husband. That's what his name means, the husband God. Baal was a covenant husband that Jezebel wanted to take the place of God. So God was the husband of Israel, but instead Baal became the husband of Israel. Friends, there are times in the Bible when the term Baal is used for God because God is the true covenant husband for his people. So if you read the Bible very carefully, sometimes God is called Baal. It means my husband. He's the husband of his people. When the children of Israel came to the Red Sea and they faced the darkness of the unknown beyond the sea, the Bible says in Exodus 14, 2, that they camped out at Baal Zaphon. The word Baal is at the first part of that, Baal. Zaphon is the second part. It means husband. So Baal, husband, Zaphon, it means in Hebrew to hide. The north, the direction of the north, it means north or to hide. It's the hidden place. In the Bible, there are two directions that describe God. The east God comes from the east, which means he comes from the dawn of time. He's moving from east to west, from the beginning to the end. And the other direction is the north, the hidden part. In the book of Ezekiel, God comes in power and glory from the north and from the east. In the book of Daniel, tidings from the north and the east will alarm the final end-time tyrant, the king of the north, and Christ will come and Michael will stand up and the end will be upon us. So in a real sense, God lives in the hidden part called the north. It's the direction of the unknown God. So in the Bible, it represents the direction you cannot see where God only lives. Before the people of Israel, right there in the Exodus, Pharaoh was behind them and they were facing the Red Sea. Before them, the Bible is very clear, was Baal Zaphon, the king or covenant lord of the north. It was God who lived beyond the sea, who only could rescue them. In Isaiah 14, 13 and 14, we see that Lucifer coveted this place in the north that belongs only to God. You, Lucifer, said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne. What does the text say? Where would he set his throne? On high, I will sit where? On the mount of the assembly. And here's the direction. Where's the direction of God's throne? In the far north. Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. So it isn't the north pole it's talking about. It's outer space it's talking about. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will make myself like the most high. As high up as you can go, beyond the high of being high, is God's presence in the north, the unseen place. In the Bible, friend, God is the true king of the north who loves his people and who journeys across the vast distance of time and eternity to be married to his people. Friend, if you doubt God's love, as big as God is, he can step on you like a grasshopper. But God makes that great journey to you because he loves you as if there is none other in his vast universe. 
Jesus is that part of God that has come to us so God can be with us for all time and eternity. So in the book of Revelation, the Lamb is a covenant husband who marries his people at the time of the end, and his bride is the new Jerusalem. How many of you want to get married to Jesus? I want to get married to Jesus. I want to be part of the new Jerusalem. I want to be connected to a kingdom that's forever connected to Jesus Christ. So in the Bible, our Father is God the Father. And God is also, as God the Father, a covenant husband who was and is married to an ancient city that is the mother of us all. The mother is not God, but the mother is his wife that has been around for a long time. Galatians 4.26, look at the verse. But the Jerusalem above is free. And what does the Bible say? She is our mother. Now God's our father. And so that ancient civilization that worked with God in the creation of this world, that ancient civilization where Lucifer and his angels arose, the Jerusalem above, that is, they say, a class five civilization, intergalactic and beyond, networking the entire universe, the center of all that is the ancient mother of us all, where God started his creative plan to seed the universe with life. And the Bible says in so many places that God is our Father, for God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. That ancient civilization gave us Jesus too because they surrendered their commander to become the Savior of the world. So before we were created, God had a heavenly people that preceded our creation. The Jerusalem that is above is that ancient civilization that existed before the creation of our world. I'll be very frank with you. This sounds like science fiction, doesn't it? But it's not. I mean, a lot of the science fiction stuff that we hear in our culture, they're borrowing themes from the Bible. Hebrews 9.11 tells us plainly that this heavenly realm is not of this creation. That when Christ went to heaven, he went to the heavenly sanctuary. It is an order that is not of this creation. There is an older order out there that belonged to God before we were ever made. And Jerusalem above is free. And the Bible says she is our mother. Lucifer didn't rebel here on earth. The great rebel hunter rebelled in heaven. Ezekiel 28, 14 says Lucifer sinned on the holy mountain of God. Sin started in the mountain of the north where God's throne is. The highest point where human reality or creature reality can find before you can go no further. There in the presence of God, the contact point of the universe, Lucifer rebelled against God. Turn to Ezekiel 28, verse 14. I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version here because... In this one instance, the Revised Standard Version captures best the Hebrew and the Greek Old Testament of the 2nd century B.C., providing the most accurate reading, I believe, of the text. It says in verse 14, With an anointed guardian cherub, I placed you. The King James Version and other translations will say you were the anointed guardian cherub. The problem with that is the word anointed is the word Messiah. So was he the Messiah cherub, or was there another guardian being who was in the presence of God, who was the anointed one, the Messiah? And the ancient Hebrew texts and the Greek Old Testament confirm it should be translated with an anointed guardian cherub, with the Messiah cherub, I placed you. There was someone there before he was created. Before Lucifer came into existence, the first eyes that met him were the eyes of the pre-existent Jesus Christ, the Messiah cherub. He goes on to say, you were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire you walked. Loaded language. The mountain of God is the heavenly realm. It's the highest point in the universe. But it says he walked in the midst of the stones of fire. Now I got on the internet. 
And I actually did some research to see what people are talking about. Do you realize there's a lot of chat talk going on out there that the stones of fire represent worlds? And I concur with that position. That every planet that can hold life is a geothermal fireball of stone that produces a magnetic field that can guard that planet from cosmic radiation. And so when you move back and forth in the midst of the stones of fire, it would indicate that you are interplanetary. You can move at will through the universe and go to those places that are inhabited by God's grace. So Lucifer was able to traverse the universe. He was that ambassador that was number two in line behind the Messiah cherub. He walked in the midst of the stones of fire. Verse 15, now something happened. It says, you were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. Iniquity did not come at Lucifer. Iniquity was found in Lucifer. It came from within him. The Bible, friend, I believe, and I'm going to ask you if you believe it. You have your Bible in your hand? Why don't you take it out? It's a good thing to have it. Do you believe that the Bible is the infallible Word of God? Do you really believe that? I believe the Bible is the infallible Word of God. I don't need a smart theologian to tell me it is not. It is. Because the Bible is smarter than any theologian, any Bible teacher, or any philosopher king who would take it away from us. I have discovered in my study of the Bible over the years that it has order like the order of the universe in it. We have been told by the servant of the Lord that the Bible possesses infinite capacity as an information system. We've also been told that it was prepared by the mind of God before the dawn of time and given to the human race, and it should be taken in its present form as intentional as we hold it in our hand. Now, I have studied Greek manuscript evidences and all this. I'm not ignorant to this at all. At the seminary, I poured myself in this kind of research. But at the end of the day, I have come to the deep conviction based on my study of the Bible that God has given it to us for the last days in the way he wants us to have it. It is an authoritative document intentionally delivered in its present order, and so we should look at it that way. And so I began to examine a little bit. Some of you know what a chiastic structure is. A chiastic structure is a linguistic device where the beginning and the end match, and it starts moving toward a center. Did you know that the entire Bible, after 1826, when the Apocrypha, the Deuterocanonical books, are expunged, those books that came during the Catholic medieval era that are not scripture, were kicked out by the Scottish Bible Society. All of the other Bible societies began to organize the Bible the way we have it now. That in that final organization of how the books coalesce, it forms a linguistic grid as if the Bible was written at one point in time. It's stunning to see. The Bible is structurally a linguistic system. There are many metaphors for the Bible. The, the bread of life... The Bible says thy word is a lamp, but it's also a tree. A tree is a structural system. And so in the chiastic structure of the Bible, Genesis 1-1 is A, chiastic element A. Genesis 22-21 is A prime, is the end of it. The beginning and amen, alpha and omega. And it starts moving toward a center intentionally. You see in Genesis 1, the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. You'll see at the end of the book of Revelation, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who is thirsty take the waters. You see on the left side, moving toward the center, God said, let there be lights. 
And you'll see on the right side where Jesus says, I am the bright and morning star. And if you follow it, and I have followed it all the way through Revelation in the New Testament, it keeps on going as if the Bible was written at one point in time. Now, I've been interacting with my Old Testament professor at the seminary. Dr. Richard Davidson posited in an Adventist Theological Society article that the center of our Bible is Proverbs 8. He didn't have all the evidence for that, but he had the intuition based on his study of the canon to feel that it was so. We now know it is so. Proverbs 8.30 is the exact chiastic center of our Bible. It is the word amon, the amon, the architect in Hebrew, the master workman. I was daily before God rejoicing always in the sons of men is the very center of our Bible, that Jesus Christ, the carpenter king, the architect, the amon, the amen. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I am the amen, the beginning of the creation of God, the true witness. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. So in this huge superstructure, now here's what I'm getting to. In this huge superstructure, the word for Orion in the genealogy in Genesis 10, 14. Now how many of you read the Bible and you wonder if the genealogies matter? You get bored reading through the genealogies, you do? Well, let's go to the genealogies, Genesis 10, 14. Do you realize we have the name Orion, a person named after Orion, the constellation Orion? Kessel, Kuslehem, Kessel, Genesis 10, 14. In this chiastic cross-structural system, Orion is right there cross-connected with Revelation eleven fifteen as heaven, as the contact point of God's heavenly throne in the final judgment at the end of time. In another structure which is very similar to this large chiastic structure, but it's a panel block structure. Instead of going from the sides toward a center, a panel block is two blocks that are parallel, staggered apart, that move from left to right or right to left, depending on your point of view. And there is a panel block that moves right from Revelation into the book of Genesis that shows the parallel structure of the book of Revelation, the book of Genesis, as one grid. Now, in that panel block structure, I sent this to my professor friend at the seminary, and he was quite pleased to see how Orion correlates. Let me just share it with you. In Genesis 10.9, the Bible says Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, here's what it matches in the book of Revelation. By the way, the word Nimrod means rebel. It comes from the Hebrew word rebel. He was the rebel hunter. He represents that ancient rebel who is Satan, who was a hunter who wanted to take God off his throne. So in this huge panel block structure that correlates the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation, Genesis 10, 9 matches thematically with Revelation 12, verse 4. So let's look at Genesis 10, 9. It says, Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. And here's what it linguistically cross-matches with. 
Revelation 12, 4, And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child that he might devour her child. So who is he hunting for? He was hunting for Jesus Christ. He was hunting to take God off his throne and destroy his son and that ancient rebellion. Now, in this same structure in Genesis 10, 14, as you're moving down in that panel block structure, the structural system is. Beyond smart, it is utterly determined. Etymology is necessary, and it keeps going, and there is no break in the order. So in this same structure in Genesis 10, 14, the Hebrew word kessel, which is the word for Orion, occurs as the name Keslehem. And the phrase is Keslehem, whence came the Philistines. And it is linguistically cross-matched in this panel block structure to the book of Revelation with Revelation 12, 7, war arose in heaven. Now, if you look up in the sky at night, how many of you are astronomy buffs here? Anybody likes looking at the stars at night? I can't wait to join the club. I have three telescopes now, and this year I'm getting out to use them. So if you look up at the night sky, you will see the celestial Nimrod, the mighty hunter with his bow, which is, in fact, the constellation Orion. The constellation Orion is, in the Bible, Nimrod the hunter. The ancient Egyptians, in fact, were so impressed with Orion. In fact, most ancient cultures see Orion as a contact point with the heavens. They aligned the Great Pyramid with Orion because they believed that Orion is the place where the soul can return and live on forever and feast with the gods. They saw it as the place of rebirth and resurrection. In fact, they made the three great pyramids at Giza to resemble the three stars in Orion's belt, but so did other pyramid makers in the world. So Orion is critical. When the ancient cultures of the world wanted to see where heaven was, they looked to Orion. They saw Orion as the contact point for the future hope of the human race. In the book of Revelation, God's throne is surrounded by an emerald rainbow. How many of you have read that in Revelation 4-3? Well, take your Bibles and turn there. I want to show it to you. The Bible says, And he, God, who sat there, appeared like jasper and carnelian. The Greek word jaspus for jasper Many scholars believe, and I'm one of them, I'm not a scholar, I'm a pastor, that the word for jasper should be translated diamond, the brilliance of the diamond. It says, around the throne was a rainbow that looked like what? What does it say in your Bible? Like an emerald. And within the rainbow and around the throne are how many living creatures? Four living creatures. Now, angels are called stars in the book of Revelation. Seven stars, seven angels. There is a cluster of four brilliant stars found in the great trapezium at the rainbow center of the Orion Nebula. No one could until recent times look into Orion to see that at the heart of Orion there is an emerald rainbow, a nebula, that surrounds these four star clusters that are ancient. There's either a black hole or something unusual in the middle. It's not total agreement. But the point is, when you look at the rainbow of the Orion Nebula, that great open space in Orion, these four star clusters shine back to you. And I'm telling you, it's the closest image in the sky that matches the picture of God's throne in Revelation 4, the emerald rainbow and the four living creatures. The Bible suggests that it is no accident that the most beautiful object in our night sky is the Orion Nebula because war arose in Kessel, Orion. Genesis 10, 14, Orion, from whence came the Philistines, Kuslehem. The Philistines were sea invaders. If you know anything about the Philistines, they came across the Mediterranean. They terrorized Palestinian shoreline and northern Egypt. 
And so like the Philistines, Satan is the sea invader. He didn't come across a physical ocean. He journeyed across the distance of time and space to this world, and he invaded it, the mighty hunter who rebelled against God. So in referring to the invasion, the Bible says, Orion, from whence came the Philistines. And the Bible sins started in heaven, not here. The mighty dragon stood before the male child at his birth, ready to devour him. He had attacked God in the heavenly throne room. The kingdom of God was attacked in heaven, where Lucifer dragged, according to Revelation 12, a third of the stars of heaven, a third of the angels of God, away from him. Now, when I think of angels, what do you think of when you think of an angel? Tell me. Pretty little things with white, fluttery wings. I think of powerful, warlike beings that are kind, but don't mess with them. Am I wrong? I call them E.T. angels, extraterrestrial angels. Lucifer's rebellion took a third of them out, and they crossed a sea of stars to conquer planet Earth, Orion, whence came the Philistines. When Adam was deceived, the rebel leader set up planet Earth as his alien outpost to claw his way back to God with all his evil angels and to throw God himself off his heavenly throne. When he came here and he deceived Adam and Eve, he said, you know what, if I get this world under control, I will corrupt the universe here. I will get them to turn against God. Well, if you'd like to finish this message now, you can go online to reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Otherwise, join us the next time we get together for the conclusion to The Marriage of the Lamb. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Have you ever wondered what happens five minutes after death? Do you long for the assurance of eternal life? Is there a longing in your heart for something beyond this life? Dark Tunnels and Bright Lights by Mark Finley is the message of hope that you need. This book presents the real truth about life after death, and it is more amazing than you can imagine. Call for your copy today. Here's the information you need. The telephone number is 855-888-4673. 855-888-4673. 855-888-HOPE. Or you can go to the website reachingyourheart.com. Call for your copy today. The book is yours for a donation of any size. And remember that your donations help to keep this ministry on the air. And we thank you for your support. And we hope that you'll join us again next time we get together for another edition of Reaching Your Heart.